This is episode number 186, What Motherhood Has Taught Me, with Michelle Madrid Branch. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today. The second announcement that I would like to make is in regard to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive, A Parent's Journey. This is an experience that we've been wanting to put together for a few months by now with the intention of creating a space for other parents to be able to come together and relate as well as understand each and every single one of the journeys that they've been on as well as the lessons and the takeaways that they've learned through the hardship, including COVID-19, as well as some of the other circumstances. If you'd like to know more details about this upcoming experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today forward slash events. The last thing that I would like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. And there you are. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you. And I think we are so so far, we're somewhat succeeding because it's freezing less and less. <laughs> and that's one of, I think that's something to be grateful for. But yeah. I, I really appreciate you joining. And, um, you know, I've told you this before, I appreciate your story and perspectives and how you've been able to influence, I think, not only those within the adoption community, but even beyond that. Um, and so I just really wanted to share this space with you and talk about this concept of motherhood and approach yes. it through the lens of the different lessons that you've learned. And it's, it's, not, um, it's not an everyday experience that I think people go through. And so when, it, when, you, when you think of motherhood, perhaps the best way that we can start this off, what does that even mean to you? Oh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. You know, Alive, I love any opportunity I have to spend time with you and to go deep and to learn and to grow. So thank you. I am just one of your biggest fans. Thank you for the work that you do in the world. Thank you. Thank you for your heart um, for this work. Um, motherhood. Wow. You know, I, I didn't always know if I would be a mother. Yet I knew that I loved to mother and to nurture, you know, as I was growing up, my pets and my dolls and my stuffed animals, I was always uh, nurturing and mothering plants. And, you know, I, I just think living things I had such um, a compassionate heart for. Um, and as I you know, grew into adulthood and I started a career, I, mm -hmm. again, I was so focused on that that I didn't know if motherhood would be a part of my life. And um, after I got married, I um, was so um, blessed and honored and 
overjoyed to um, become um, the mother of my eldest, Christian. And um, following that, um, then I adopted two children internationally, Ian from Russia and Eviana from Ethiopia. And I think motherhood has taught me the greatest lessons in my life. It's expanded my heart beyond, um, you know, my initial thoughts of what love means and mm -hmm. what it is. And um, from each of my children and their unique and very special deliveries into my life, I have learned some incredible lessons. Um, I'm happy to quickly go through those mm -hmm. if you of would course. like me to, what I learned from each um, experience. I think from my first with Christian, as I was, you know, I, I gave birth to him biologically. Um, there was, I remember a, a, a decisive moment when I made the decision that I was going to have natural child, I was going to deliver Christian um, via natural childbirth. And um, I had an amazing team of women around me, a doula, an incredible nurse, and massage therapist. I felt this, um, I, I felt myself being cocooned in this um, uh, sort of pool of compassion with these strong, capable women around me. But I remember I made that choice because as an adoptee, Oleg, for all of my life up until that point, I didn't really want to feel anything in my life. Feeling was very frightening to me. I didn't want to see um, the hurts and the wounds that might still be existing inside of me from my earliest story. I just didn't want to feel things deeply and I kept things very much sort of on the shallow. But as I was delivering Christian and as I chose this method of delivery called natural childbirth, I had made the decision that I really wanted for the first time in my life to feel. I wanted to feel the experience, the pain, the joy, all of it. I wanted to be present for it. And from Christian's birth, I learned the power that I possess to do hard things and to feel harder things and be able to face them and move through them. I remember feeling somewhat like a goddess after I gave birth to mm. him. And it was an example to me and a testimony of my ability to move through things that are hard and uncomfortable as I felt, um, you know, the pain of childbirth and then also the joy as I moved through it and then experienced holding that little boy in my arms and feeling that enormous amount of joy. Mm -hmm. um, with Ian, my little boy that um, we adopted from Russia, it was interesting because Ian, um, I remember the day we left the orphanage with Ian and I had him in my arms and the caretakers said something about his exuberance and his excitement. He had no idea where he was going. He didn't really know who he was going with, yet this little 11 and a half month old boy had this exuberance about him. His eyes were wide and he was looking around and bouncing and he was ready to go. And Ian has taught me in his life, he used to say all the time as he was growing up every morning, I'm excited, mom. And <laughs> I realized awesome. he really meant that. He was excited about life. He didn't know what the day was going to hold, but he was excited to be in it and to go for it. And there are no boundaries with Ian. He sees something, he believes in his ability to get it, um, to, to go to the next level, to arrive at something he's striving for. Mm -hmm. And he's taught me a lot about living life with a sense of exuberance and wonder and excitement and this boundless um, set of optics that he wears, that he can do anything has definitely, as I've raised him as his mother, I, I've been immersed in that exuberance and that excitement. And it has buoyed me up um, in my own life and has taught me so much about our ability and our capacity um, to overcome, to face struggles, and to see ourselves, see a vision of someone greater and to be able to go out and actual, actually arrive and obtain that vision and make it real. Um, he's incredible and I'm so grateful for that lesson. And then for Aviana, my little girl who we adopted from Ethiopia, 
Mm -hmm. um, I remember the moment, and I've shared this story with you before, the moment that I held Aviana in my arms um, in the orphanage in Addis Baba. And she shared with me, the, the, the orphanage caretaker shared with me um, the story of my daughter. And it is her story, but I know she doesn't mind me letting you know and sharing with people that she had been given a name by a stranger who found her and the Ethiopian name was Tiglet. And the caretaker of the orphanage says, it means let her be greater. Um, mm -hmm. Let her be greater than the circumstance that, she's, that we find uh, that she was found in. Let her be greater than what we would perceive as the brokenness of her story. Let her not be identified by that, that brokenness. And, you know, I saw in my daughter as I was holding her, I, I like to say you know, she, she, was, she was ill when, when we went and we finalized her adoption. She was riddled with a very severe parasite infection. And I remember seeing my own reflection in her little watery eyes. And I remember asking myself, let her be greater. You know, it was like a crying out. Um, and I, I remember thinking, I can see her greatness so clearly when I look at her. Even though she's malnourished, even though she's tiny, even though I know she has a messy, imperfect story, I can see her greatness as I hold her as, as her mother. Why can I not see the same greatness in myself? Why is it so hard when I, when I look at myself not to see the same kind of potential and greatness? Um, and... And so I think the seed was planted for me in that moment that I had a decision to make on how I would see myself and what it would take for me to overcome the own challenges, my own challenges, the own, you know, the own, all of the broken pieces of my story that I sort of equated as, you know, my identity, which it's, it's not. And how could I look at those broken places and see something greater and become someone greater and actually become a person who is here and dedicated to serve and to help others who are coming along behind me experiencing very similar things um, whose stories are you know although unique and individual there there are similar themes and mm -hmm. we know that as people of adoption our stories are unique and individual but there are very similar themes there are things that we experience thoughts emotions questions that we have that run along the same vein. And so I wanted to be of service. And I wanted to mother in that way too, to help and to support and to nurture other adoptees and others within this adoption community. So motherhood for me means a lot, but ultimately I wanna believe in my capacity to serve and to nurture and to help and to be there for another. That's really amazing. There's, there's one point in particular that stood out to me as you were sharing this. And it's a conversation I actually had with a friend of mine where he was talking to me about this concept, how when he had a kid, it actually showed him elements about himself that he didn't know. So when we talk about kind of those blind spots and those hidden areas that we may not see ourselves, it's mm -hmm. fascinating to see kids reveal that. And as I even look back at my own journey, and some of the things that I, you know, I would say probably bickered or had a conversation with my parents about when it came to one particular style of parenting or the different things that they viewed certain things. And I looked at that and I, it kind of just clicked for me in that moment that it's such a beautiful thing to do that, to be able to share a space with another individual, such as a child, in which they can tell you, hey, why do you do this way, the way that you do or what would happen if you did this differently? Have you noticed similar things? It sounds like you have, where mm -hmm. your the, your kids have shown you different ways of looking at life and maybe even farther developing different elements of your self-confidence, um, service, you know, helping, helping other people in situations where you feel like they don't need to be helped. Like, what have you noticed as maybe concrete, I don't know, skills, takeaways that your kids have really taught you? along this journey? It's such a great question. I just want to first interject and say hello to everyone who's joining. I see my friend Danny from Barcelona. Um, look, adoptee. Hi, Jim. Hi, all of you. Thank you for joining in this conversation. It's so important. We value um, your time. So thank you for joining um, both uh, myself and Oleg. Um, you know, it's interesting because I have to be careful as, as an adoptee not to um, project um, 
my own experience onto my children because again our experiences are unique um and what how i was raised and what my experience was does differ um and that doesn't diminish their feelings or their thoughts at all in fact i create a space inside of um my parenting my kids know that they can come to me with anything at any time they understand that how they view themselves is priority in my eyes. And I want them to um, be able to freely and openly um, harness their truest identity and to go with that. My, my son, Ian, who's from Russia, he just started taking Russian lessons, uh, language lessons. And that was very important to him. Last year, uh, as a freshman in high school, he took Spanish. He came to me this year and said, I don't resonate with that language at all. And my heart's desire is to learn my native tongue. I want to take Russian. Mm -hmm. And so I heard him. And I think it's the most important thing we can do um, with our children of adoption, with anyone, is to truly be willing to hear them. And so, you know, I contacted the school and we worked it out. And he's now taking um, Russian with a native language speaker. He will have it for the next three years of his high school career. And he couldn't be more excited. You know, two times a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. He's in Russian right now online. He comes to me and shares with me, you know, Privyet and you know, <laughs> and new, new words, you know, like, awesome. Musa, whatever, you know. And and he talks to me about his culture, and there's such a sense of pride, and that in no way, as his mother, um, makes me feel less his mother. Because I am his mother, but I'm also very aware that he has a mother, okay. um, his, his birth mother. And when he speaks that language and when he connects to that culture, he's honoring her. And he's honoring this culture that lives and breathes inside of him. And I will always honor that for both Ian and for Eviana from Ethiopia. I didn't feel that growing up. I didn't feel that growing up. My parents didn't know. And so when I would try to express my desire to connect with my truest identity from, from you know, an international place, because I'm not from America, I was adopted into America, uh, my adoptive mother would just simply say, well, you're a part of our family now. Our culture is your culture. Just be grateful and move on. And I felt within that very, very silenced and diminished and left alone in some sense because... There was so much pain inside of me. I don't ever mm. want my kids to feel that way. And so, um, although I know my experience is different, I have, sometimes I have to put myself in check and say, they, they may not be feeling the same kinds of questions, the same kinds of emotions that I'm feeling. Our experiences are different, yet I do understand that there are pieces of this journey called adoption that very much accompany um, our sense or encompass our sense of identity. Um, that ability to grieve what's been lost, to ask questions, to speak the names of, you know, our birth families if we know them, to know that um, they exist in a shared family and that, you know, the honoring of their birth family is absolutely a priority for me. I will say, I'm so sorry about that, that... Mm -hmm. That, um, that was my eldest son. <laughs> That's um, all good. I will say that the other day, my son Ian said something to me that was, um, it was really interesting and I, I'll share it. He just said, you know, mom, um, when I'm old enough to get a tattoo, the tattoo I want on my body is the day, is the date that I was adopted. Mm. And I'm like, really? And he's like, that's what I want. It's an important day for me. And, you know, I said, if that's what you want. That's, that's super cool. And I'm all for it. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. I hope it does. I just think for me, um, there have definitely been moments where I am reminded that my children of adoption, although um, I know that they have questions that um, run along the same vein as questions I had growing up, they are also being raised by a mother who's adopted. And mm -hmm. they'll tell me all the time, you know, we're so glad you're adopted too, because I get it. And I do think that even if you're not adopted, you can, you can lean in and gain a better understanding of what it means um, to live within the skin of adoption. And you can gain an understanding of 
how your adopted child views the world and how they view their place in the world. But you have to first be willing to move over to that side of the fence, check your ego at the door, open your heart and your mind to hear them. And that's so, so critically important, I think, for parents to hear. Yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point. And one other thing that I'll mention to you based on my experience of knowing you is that you have a very open mind when it comes to a lot of these perspectives. And one in particular is parenting. So I know one of the challenges that myself, as well as some of the other people that I know of that had faced, and that is living up to parents' expectations. You know, I think there are certain expectations that get created. In my opinion, they get passed down by the society through whatever lens and, and figure they may be. But I always get curious as far as someone who's in the parenting role, such as your, yourself, how do you personally manage that? How do you, what does that even look like? What does is, what is this sense of legacy even mean to you? You know, what happens if, uh, quote unquote, what happens if none of your children live up to the legacy that you choose them or you want them um, to do, like, how do you, you know, because you, you've definitely have been through quite a bit as far as your own journey of transformation. But I'm curious, when you were younger, or not even maybe younger, but however many years back, what clicked for you as far as, okay, this is not how I want to do it. These are not the expectations that I want to create for my children. And I'm going to step into it more willingly and more open because as Jim had even mentioned here, you know, parents play a big role on, on how we see the world and how we act in it. And so I'm curious to hear from your, your lens, like what do you do and what shifted for you that said, hey, my expectations are my expectations and I don't have to project the same exact things onto my children moving forward. Well, the only legacy I would want for my children is a legacy of happiness and to feel that they are absolutely um, fully in alignment with who they are and they know they have the freedom to go out and be whoever they want to be. Um, I'm not going to project who I think my children are onto them because they are fully mm -hmm. capable of knowing that innately. Um, when, when I was growing up, you know, I felt a, the real burden of having to be this perfect child for my mother. My adoptive father told me, you know, I got you as a gift for your mother. How you turn out, good or bad, is really up to her. And um, it was hard to hear those words. My dad, you know, when I was growing up, was an alcoholic. And um, not to feel his full embrace and his love was really hard. Um, I also knew that um, gifts, if they're not, um, you know, if they're not fully embraced, if a gift doesn't fit right, if a gift isn't really what you know, someone wants, they can re-gift it, they can send it back. And so I always felt like I was walking on very fragile ground, that if I wasn't perfect, if I didn't meet my mother's expectations, um, that I would, I would be simply sent back to wherever it was that I came from. And I lived mm. with a real sense of insecurity <laughs> about that. I tried very hard to be perfect. I tried very hard to be what she wanted me to be. Well, we know that perfection doesn't exist. And um, I never seemed to fully um, please my mother. And it made me feel more and more and more um, um, devalued, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just remember feeling like I'm just not good enough. I'm just not enough. And I'll never be enough. I wasn't enough for my first parents. And it doesn't seem that I'm enough for my adoptive parents, and I guess I'm just one of those people that's very damaging. It's a very damaging, limiting belief to grow up with. Mm -hmm. um, so for my own kids, and, and you know, here's the thing. As I coach adult adoptees, um, and, and so many of them come from the closed adoption system, and I, I will say um, until my last breath, closed adoption, in my opinion, has had a history of being cruel adoption because when we're locked away, from information that we desire, just as people, even our medical history, a sense of knowing where we came from, not to hurt anyone that we are biologically related to, but to be able to claim and have a knowledge of who we are. I think to be closed off from that is really cruel and it's been very damaging to the adoptee community. We're beginning to voice that more and to emerge from the shadows and say, you know what, we, des we deserve more in our lives and we deserve um, 
it is our birthright, right? To mm -hmm. know and have a sense of who we are on a biological level. I've had many, many adult adoptees who I've coached who, and, and, and I will, I'm going to say it in this way. They've said it in their own ways, but they have, they have been told by their adoptive families that they're chosen, but they never felt fully embraced for who they are as mm -hmm. they are. And that is such a tough thing to hear another human being speak. I felt chosen, but never fully embraced. I never mm -hmm. felt known, seen, or heard within my adoptive family. We have to listen to adult adoptees, and we have to hear them, and we have to right the wrongs, um, and we have to be willing to speak up and share our stories, scars, flaws, and all, so we can better educate, and we can leave a more, um, a more healthy legacy for adoptees coming up behind us. That's what I want. I want to leave a legacy of empowerment for adoptees mm. because your limiting beliefs, as you know, Oleg, can be transformed into limitless truths. We have to face our limitations or our perceived limitations. We have to be able and willing to face the myth and the lies that have been spoken to us, the false narratives. Speak it and, and, you know, say, I forgive it and I'm moving on. I'm moving on for me. I'm going to forgive it because if I don't forgive it, I'm always held captive by it. Mm -hmm. So as a mother, I want my kids of adoption, my kids, to this empowerment within them to be who they are, to go out and claim their truth, and to feel like they're standing in, you know, a soil that is nourished with the ability to grow deep, 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 deep roots so that they can just, you know, blossom. And so the legacy I want to leave for them is, hey, truth. And you come to me with anything, always. You can express anything. We'll talk about anything you want. You are safe here. And, and, I, and I hope, I hope and I pray that they feel that. I mean, they express to me that they do. And I know that along my own journey, Oleg, of reuniting with birth parents and reuniting with birth siblings who I didn't even know existed and they didn't know I existed and bringing my kids along for that and keeping our conversation open about it and my feelings because I'm a real person, right? Parents, we're real. We're yeah. real people. We're flawed. We have our own, you know, limiting beliefs. We're, we're all on this journey of life together. I think Kids need to see that, and they need to know that they can be that real with us as well. I think sometimes we forget that, and that's a really good point when it comes to the parents. For I remember for the longest time, I used when I was younger, I believed in this concept that somehow my parents had a blueprint, and they uh, <laughs> they knew everything about the journey of parenting. Uh, yeah. Oleg, there's no blueprint. No. Exactly. And, and I think that's the beauty is that because there is no blueprint to any of it, every single day is an opportunity to figure something out that you haven't had a chance to do so. And um, I think it's something that maybe doesn't get enough. At the end of the day, are people just like everyone else. And that's, I think, a really beautiful, um, I think it's a really beautiful thing. And there's something to be said in regard to that, just continuing to value parents as individuals rather than those that appear to know more or know the exact steps. When in reality, I mean, all of you are trying to figure out every single day and you never know what the next day is going to bring. And I think that's another challenge probably that, that, is, you know, to create the space. I remember um, I was driving my son, Ian, home from school one day. He was 13. Mm -hmm. And he said um, in the car, Mom, what is my birth mother's name? And I immediately pulled over to the side of the road. It's not something that I'm going to say, we'll talk about that later. Or, you know, I'm driving. You know what? 
I'm pulling over to the side of the road. I put that, you know, car in park. I undid my seat, but you know, unclipped my seatbelt. I turned toward him and I said, let's talk about it, son. And I said her name. And I said, maybe it would help if you said her name now. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. He whispered her name. Mm. And I said, how does that feel? Like, I'm, how does it feel? He said, it feels good. And I said, well, perhaps you want to say it again. And maybe this time say it a little louder. And he said it louder. And then he cried a little more. We cried together. We celebrated. And I said, I believe when you say her name, I don't know where she is, honey, in the world. And I'll tell you that now. I don't know. But, but when you say her name, I believe it's carried on the winds. And she feels it somewhere. And we have to believe that and know that, that we are connected on a deeper level than what we might be able to see. So say her name as much and as often as you want. Say it as loud as you want, but say it. You are free and you are safe to do that within this space in front of this mother. Because I want to remind you that I love your mother. I love her. And, and so when I think kids who are adopted can feel that, that their birth parents, no matter the story, that their birth parents are accepted and loved and included within their adopted families, there's a whole heck of a lot of healing that can happen. But I'm mm -hmm. not going to blow through those moments. And I urge parents not to blow through those moments. Make space, if you can, right then, you know, right there, make space to go deep and to hear them and to not shut them down because I think that's very damaging. Um, and if you don't know the answer, please don't try to make something up. Don't create a narrative because false narrative mm. has been damaging adoptees for a long, long time. Be truthful, be honest so that they know they can always come to you and that trust is established. That's so very important. Trust is so very key and I think parents need to understand that as adoptees, the sense of trust is severed so very early on. It's hard to mm -hmm. know who to trust. And so when you can create those little moments of trust, baby step by baby step, it does a whole lot of good as, as you go and as you grow with your child. And I wanted to say hi to Sule. Hi, Sule. <laughs> My son's friend. I love this community. I love this community, Oleg. Um, and I don't know what I ever did without it, but I did without it for a long time because we didn't talk about this when I was growing up. And I needed it. I needed it. We all need it. We need to know that there are others who are um, moving through a similar kind of journey and that you're understood and you're not alone. And it really helps us. It helps to buoy us up. And we can see, yeah, I, I, can, I can get through this because mm -hmm. I'm not alone. And so I, I want everyone who's listening and everyone within this community to understand how valued and cherished you are by all of us. How did you deal with some of the things that you described as different challenges or obstacles along the way prior to finding this community? I mean, what, what was available to you at that time and age? You know, not a lot. I think for me, the only thing that really saved me was this desire, although it was unhealthy, um, to be this, this person who excelled. And I did it. The motivation behind it was I'm going to show and prove to the world that I'm worthy of being here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have, you know, the best grades and I'm going to go to college and I'm going to go to grad school and get my master's and then I'm going to be in television news and then I'm going to be the best television news anchor that can be that there, that there can be and I'm gonna you know have a number one show and I'm gonna work my way up to this and that right so it wasn't healthy and then I never stopped to just embrace me Michelle for who I was you know I never looked in the mirror and saw someone who was enough but I think it was this desire to prove that I was worthy of being here that kept me going although I was never really happy, ever mm. really happy. And um, I always remember if something good happened to me, if I got a promotion or this and that in the career, because my career was really my life for a very long time. Um, and it did help me, you know, it was an identity. Um, it, it was an identity. And I, I think it saved me in many respects. 
but I, I never looked in the mirror and saw someone who was really worthy of anything that she had worked so hard to achieve. And I never really looked in the mirror and saw someone I loved because I didn't feel I was um, worthy of that kind of unconditional love. Um, I had to learn to give myself what I didn't receive growing up. I had to fill those places up. And once I really committed to the doing of that, once I said to myself, I want to feel better, I want to thrive, because the desire to thrive is now outweighing this place of living inside of this pain. I, I don't want to do that anymore. And motherhood was a big, I think that was a big moment of change for me because I didn't want to dump my stuff on my kids. And so as I became a mother, I was like, girlfriend, you, you got to change. You, you know, you're not out there hurting anyone, but you are hurting yourself because you're not loving yourself. And how are you going to teach your children to love themselves if you're not an example of that? And so I had to strip very, very bare and get very, very raw with myself and start to nurture and grow inside of this space of self-acceptance and self-exploration and self-discovery. And um, also understanding like my little girl's earliest story that my circumstance did not define me. I was a little girl who was placed in the foster care. My parents went away. They made a choice to relinquish me and they left me there. And I was adopted and then I was brought to the States and, you know, um, it wasn't a perfect family. No family is, but I, I then became the daughter of an alcoholic. And there was a lot of, a lot of emotional damage that was done by that. But I, I could no longer be identified by that. I did not want to see myself as this broken person, someone who wasn't worthy of love and someone who wasn't worthy of her dreams. I had to make that choice for myself. And I think we all come to that moment um, mm -hmm. that we're going to love ourselves enough to choose to thrive in our lives and do the work of getting there. Did you ever experience the challenge of age possibly being one of the limitations? In, and the reason why I asked that is because many of the conversations I've had leading up to today, one of the things that I've learned is that there becomes a point, and I've experienced this myself as well, where I felt that when reaching a specific age, there was all of a sudden like, okay, you know, there's certain things you don't do anymore, when it, especially when it comes to personal growth and personal development. Oh. And it, it got me curious as far as how many other people experience the same exact thing. In your case, did, did you ever have a moment like that where, okay, I'm this age, it's not appropriate. It's kind of the same concept of looking back at the childhood things and, and at least for me, it was, okay, you're, you're 27 years old, going on to 28. Like, you know, it's not okay to do X, Y, and Z that you did when you were 12, 13, or 14. And so I get curious in that as far as do other people have similar experiences? Because I know that Jim and a couple of other, other people that are joining on this call also shared this, that there's this sense of commonality when it comes to us as human beings. Yes, we all walk a different path, but I feel like we're all on the same journey and we all have similar themes that overlap those. Was that something that you ever battled with? And, and if so, what was that experience like? Um, there may have been even having to restart, you know, even having to restart, because I remember having a conversation with you, I mean, what, two years ago by now, when you were sharing with me the story of having to leave the newscast and then starting something completely over like yeah. Was, yeah what was that journey like well you know again i go back to television news and that career it and it was my identity and i clung to it because i thought it it proved to me um you know a sense of worth a sense of value right if i was sitting on the anchor desk then i must be valued right and, and included in some way and and believe me i have some of the most incredible friends uh, who are still on air and working in that space of uh, television news and journalism. Um, and so I adore and love that family and that chapter in my life, no doubt. But I think for me, stepping away from it was absolutely needed because I needed to take time for me. I didn't have a lot of time. I was always on the run, you know. 
always traveling, chasing a story, um, and running away from what I really needed to be facing, which um, were those wounds that were still very much alive and impacting my life and causing acute amounts of pain, causing me to disengage from you know, my life, from leaning into relationships and trusting and just fully living. Um, I look at it this way. Our souls are, in my opinion, in my belief, our souls are expansive and eternal. And there's always something to learn. This journey of life is about learning and growing. And so if there is a question of, am I too old to, to transform this limiting belief into a limitless truth? Am I too old to actually um, believe and do the work of, of, of growing and, and going after the things that I love and I want and I most desire? My answer would be absolutely, you're never too old, right? Mm. And so as an adoptee and what I work to help uh, my adopted clients understand is that we all have a child within us. Mm -hmm. And that child, I believe, comes into the world with all this possibility, right? And this enthusiasm, like my little boy from Russia, and that excitement of, wow, what, what, what is this all about? I'm here to learn and grow. And there aren't any borders to what we can achieve. And then somewhere along the line, an experience or someone whispers to us that we're not worthy and our little souls are dinged, right? And we begin to see ourselves as broken and not worthy and not enough. And I believe you got to go back to that child. I call it the first me. I call it the little girl whose name was changed when she was adopted. She was Julia Dawn. She was adopted and became Michelle. But I went back to her. I went all the way back to her deep within myself and I found her. Mm. And I began connecting with her. And I believe when you start to heal that little one inside of you, then I mean, the possibilities for transformation are really boundless. But it's so important to connect with that child within you. I don't care if you're 15 or 59 or 72, no matter your age, there is that child inside of you who went through some things that were real. And somehow the message was sent as you, as you grew that you weren't enough and that this experience in life defines you and you're stuck in this struggle. And the fact of the matter is, I just think that's a lie. So you can go back and connect with that child and help to give that child all that she needs to be able to move forward with you, not separated from you, but with you. Let that child speak of his or her dreams to the big you and mm. move hand in hand and grow and transform and become all that you are here to be. Because you've got to remember, and I believe this, that we are all here for a very unique purpose. My gosh, Oleg, we don't want to lose one person to some mm -hmm. limiting belief or to some broken place within themselves that makes them feel stuck. We need you. And so that's why this community is so important. We can remind each other and help each other to move through those places that feel so, so much like they cannot be overcome and remind people that yes, you can overcome the odds and, okay. and you can move forward. And so I don't believe that it is ever too late. You can never convince me that it's too late mm. because I see it time and time again as I'm coaching. I see adults transform right before my eyes. I believe as a life coach, everything you need is within you now. Mm -hmm. Everything you need is within you now to transform and to heal. Mm. And so that's the message that I um, work so diligently to share with all those I coach um, in the writing that I do and share, in, in speaking um, and sharing time with amazing people like you, Oleg, to remind people um, of their ability to overcome and become, right? Mm -hmm. Michelle, you and I obviously can have a conversation for hours upon hours. <laughs> that's, that, that's not even the question. And I just, I just really admire and appreciate not only the work that you do professionally, but also personally. You, you really chose to take on the journey. And um, ever since our past crossed two to two and a half years ago, I've always looked up to you when it came to 
those particular aspects and different ways to embrace the challenges and go through mm. them and learn what you have to learn. And um, just as we kind of wrap up this particular conversation, I know that you and I will be collaborating on an event called Survive to Thrive, A Parent's Journey, which is meant to, for anyone that's a parent, it, it's really about creating a space for other parents to be able to come and connect and relate uh -huh. due to some of the challenges that COVID and some of the other things that we've been presented with. But is there anything else that you have coming up that people can be a part of, people can actively engage in when it comes to the groups, the work, the podcast, anything that you would like to share with people? Thank you. I just wanted to make two notes. Well, let's say three. I'm mm -hmm. so excited to be with you on October 25th. I can't wait. And I hope people can join in. But there were two comments that came through. Um, one from Woke Adoptee. And I just want to say I love what you do. And I just want you to know that I see you. Um, and I really respect the work that you do. Um, and what was mentioned was that there's a higher rate of suicide amongst um, adoptees, you know, when you mm -hmm. compare the suicide rates of adoptees versus non-adoptees. Um, and that's very, that's something we need to, we need to understand that there are adoptees out there who are hurting and feel so lost and alone. And also the rates of PTSD among the adoptee community are high, mm -hmm. um, higher. What I, what I understand is higher than even those, uh, the rates of PTSD among, amongst um, the veteran community. So these, these things need to be um, understood. And that is why, as Woke Adoptee just said, is why our voices need to be validated. Um, and that, that is so true. So thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that. Jim says four times higher. We, mm -hmm. need, to, we need to really understand that. And it's, it's, those are sobering, sobering statistics. And that's why we need to come together as an adoptee community we need to speak out and speak up and help each other. Um, there's a real need for that. And then Jim also mentioned um, a poem from Antoine. I think it was, a, was it that Fisher. film, Antoine Fisher, mm -hmm. uh, Who Will Cry for the Little Boy. And, you know, I think that gets back to the, the child within and what I call the first me. I cried for that little girl, Julia Dawn. I cried for her. I, let, I allowed myself to grieve for what she had been through. Um, and I allowed myself to feel that grief. And I wasn't allowed to, to do that as a child, but I, I gave that gift to myself as an adult. And what that did, I think it liberated me um, to move forward as I, as I felt, you know, and I cried for that little child, that little girl. So Jim, thank you so much um, for saying that. As far as the work I do, I'm here at lifecoachmmb.com and I'm coaching daily. Um, I work with adult adoptees to help them um, to gain, you know, some clarity around um, those places of confusion and hurt uh, that are deep within themselves that they've lived with for a very long time. Um, they are incredible human beings and it's an honor for me to coach them. And I also work primarily with mothers, also um, um, adoptive mothers, because, you know, you talk about motherhood. Mm -hmm. um, again, we need to be willing as parents of adoption to lean into our kids, to move over to their side of the fence and understand how they view the world and their place in it, and to gain a sense of how they perceive um, these things. It's so, so critically important. So you'll find me at Life Coach MMB. Um, come see me there. And um, again, I every day, I mean, the work is hard, Oleg, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, oh, yeah. And um, sometimes it's heartbreaking, but there's a lot of transformation and triumph to be found. We are a courageous bunch of people, we adoptees. And I want to look with... Um, a sense of optimism to our future as we move forward and we expand our voices. Um, I think there are real exciting days ahead. I know, I appreciate that. And I, I think there's a lot to be said between what you just shared. I, without a doubt, feel like there is a brighter day, a better future. And I think with everything that's been said, there's, um, there's a lot to add on to it. And we'll definitely have multiple conversations beyond this. And I'm just really grateful that you and I were able to share the space and, and everyone else that chose to join and be able to share their own perspectives and ask questions and 
and, and have a conversation where we can listen to understand and not listen to respond. Oh, I love that. Listen to understand and not listen to respond. Yes, let's open our hearts, our minds, our ears, our souls. Let's hear each other. Um, and I got to say again, I love everyone in this community. I really do. Thank you um, for the work that you do, all of you, each of you. And thank you for filling me up daily. You do. You buoy me up. I'm reading, I'm watching, and I'm listening. And I'm so grateful to you all. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.